0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The 918 Files. My name is Jason C. Sivankera. I'm your host. Um, So, since it's quickly approaching camping season in Arizona, I figured this would be the perfect time to discuss something that a lot of Arizonans have never heard of, including myself, up until a couple months ago. Um, But everyone's heard of Bigfoot, right? Yeti, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I'll tell you right now... um, of all the the weird things that are out there in this world, uh, Bigfoot is one of those that I wholeheartedly um, believe in. And the reason why is when you look at all the different sightings and reportings and documentations of everything involving this thing over the course of history, right? You have cultures in Southeast Asia, in Northwest North America, Uh, like geographically separated, you know, entities that are all kind of reporting the same thing. And these are that date back thousands of years. So we're talking about cultures that had no way of contacting each other are documenting the exact same thing. But anyway, um, but when it comes to Bigfoot, everyone knows that one, but a lot of people don't know, and not many have heard of Arizona's version, which is the Muggy owned Monster. Um, so the history of this thing, so here's some more known recorded sightings of the Muggy owned Monster in Arizona. Uh, the oldest known sighting was reported in Arizona in the Arizona Republican, which is now known as the Arizona Republic, uh, and it was back in 1903. There was a gentleman named I.W. Stevens who stated he saw a creature in the area of the Grand Canyon that he described as having long white hair and a matted beard that reached to his knees. It wore no clothing, and upon his talon-like fingers were claws at least two inches long. So when I first read this, I mean, you're looking at the time frame of 1903, and he's talking about long white hair and a matted beard. The initial thought was, you know, maybe just, this is like a pioneer, but when he started talking about... You know, because back in those days, cleanliness was not always a, one of those things, especially out in the out in the plains and the frontier and the, the Wild West. But when he started talking about, you know, no clothes and claws and all that stuff, it kind of, okay, maybe he did see something that um, was not human. Uh, so another well-known incident um, was involving a 13-year-old Boy Scout named Don Davis, which happened in the 1940s. So Don claimed that he... Witnessed the Muggyon monster while on a camping trip near Tonto Creek, uh, he said something woke him up, and he initially thought it was another scout. But when he started, but when he said something, as in you know, hey, what are you doing? He said he saw what he described as a massive monster-like man that had an extremely foul odor. So that's another odd one. And then there's Marjorie Grimes. She lives up in White River, Arizona, um, and she's claimed to have sighted the creature numerous times between the time period of 1982 and 2004. Um, She described it as being black, tall, and walking in big strides. So, as I don't know if a lot of people have seen that, the weird video of the Bigfoot walking that was, you know, it was deemed fake, but that kind of, that long stride type creature, so... And then other witnesses over the years have described the the Muggio monster as being, um, one person said this, seven seven feet tall with large red eyes and the body is covered with long black or reddish brown hair um, with the exclusion of the chest, face, hands, and feet. Um, Some have also claimed that it has a strong and just horrible odor, describing describing it as dead fish. Some have said a skunk. one person said decaying peat moss, whatever that smells like, and then one person described it as the musk of a snapping turtle. I don't know what that smells like because I'm not going to get that close to a snapping turtle. All right, joining us now, we have Dana Harper.
1: Hey, Jason. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me.
0: Doing well. And Michelle Lemieux.
2: Hi, it's good to be here.
0: Like the hockey player, but no, no relation, right? Right. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I'm a Red Wings fan, so we're going to leave. We're not, we're not penguin fans, so. Um, so, when I first started researching um, everything about the, pronounce it not Mogion. Mogion mogian Monster. Monster. Um, one person's name that kept coming up over and over and over was Mitchell Waite. So, when I found out about Mitchell Waite, I was like, man, this is awesome because my dad was Air Force, I was Air Force, and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. But unfortunately, I found out that he had passed away, right? So, that then. Sad. Yeah, because he would have been an awesome person to talk to. But then I started asking some other people that are kind of in this field. I said, who's a good person to talk to that might know more information about this thing? And the one name that kept coming up was Dana Harper. So, Dana, my question to you is, um, first off, what was your relation with with Mitchell? And what's your experience in dealing with with this monster thing?
1: Well, let's go back and wind it up to 19... 91. I was fortunate enough to have a satellite television show that ran for about three years. And so during that time and looking for guests, I was trying to find credible people. And a lot of the people that I found were former military, former law enforcement, former pilots. Those are the people I like to have on. So I had been looking at these things and meeting a lot of people. So uh, later, I had heard about Mitch, but I had never met him. And then somebody said, hey, you need to talk to this guy. So I looked him up and talked to him and was literally blown away with all the stuff that he was talking to me about. And he had this area that he called the hot zone. And he said, I want to take you there to see just so you can see for yourself. So Mitch's widow, I want to say hi to laylene in case she's listening, because it was her husband that was instrumental in everything that I know. Because he's the one that did the hard work and put in digging and doing all the stuff. He'd go out for weeks on end and research and photograph. And I mean, he's living there out in the wilds. And then he would come home after being gone two weeks. And Laylene was such a good sport about letting him be gone and doing that and supporting him in that.
0: You'd have so, to. Yeah. So, I mean, sounds like she's very
1: she's supportive. Very supportive. And Mitch, once I started talking to him and we kind of built a friendship. And then he started coming and telling me and showing me the photographs and some of the things that he had taken and done. And it was just phenomenal. I mean, as much as you want to think that something like that doesn't exist, or put it out of your mind and just say just something that they scare you with when you're in scouting at scout camp, because those stories went around when we were kids and going to scouts. Were you a scout ever?
0: I was Cub Scout, but I never got to the Boy Scout. I was a baseball (coughs) kid. So it always conflicted with my scouts, so I couldn't do it. But
1: Boy Scouting, I had a lot of fun and I enjoyed the program while it lasted. But that was one of the stories that they would always talk about here is the Mogion Monster. And as time went on, I kind of had looked at it was more than just one something that's out there, some kind of sentient being that's out there. And what it is, I don't know. I look, listen to the Apaches, my friends that live on the reservation, and I've talked to them in depth about it. My friends that are on the Navajo Nation, they've shared some stories with me and it just goes, the more you learn, the more you realize that you don't know. And when we would be seeing these pictures, he was picking up some of these beings were the brown hair. Some of them were red hair. Some of them were all black. And, he, and he, being the photographs. And the thing that I think that drove Mitch the most that he really would have liked to have done is he said that when he, they were in his camp, That he could hear what sounded like an Indian dialect when they were speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, on the TV and the things they sensationalized, the yells and the whoops and things like this. But there was actually a language. And that's what Mitch, what I think, was most curious about finding and wanting to communicate with them.
0: And that's the thing that what I liked about the more I read about Mitch is the fact that, you know, because I come from law enforcement, right? Yeah. Um, I like to have information or evidence as credible, number one, but number two, I want to have the information and evidence come from a credible person. So Mitch was, you know, like I said, he was prior Air Force. He seems like a very credible guy, but the information, the evidence that he was kind of presenting was, it's pretty, pretty decent stuff, but there's no like smoking gun type evidence. So right. Like what type well, of stuff did you see that, that he had?
1: Well, that, as I got to know him better, I saw some bones that he had recovered and saw some hair that he had recovered um, that was different. That wasn't horse hair or anything. And under a microscope, where the human hair kind of has like a U-shape to it, as you're looking at the follicles as it grows, this was different than any kind of animal hair or human hair. So <clears throat> the Indians, they refer to the Sasquatch as just another tribe of people in the forest. Which- and And... When they would cross through their lands, they would usually leave an offering or something when they crossed through wherever these things were at. Mm. And I always thought that was interesting. So I would watch Mitch, and whenever Mitch would come up to this one area that he called the Hot Zone, there was this big tree that had been cut down and a big stump in this meadow. So Mitch would always bring goodies and put them on the stump, and he made a lot of noise, and they they would know you were there before you knew they were there. Because they were very we were kind of like the entertainment for them out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'm not,
0: not sure if that's a good thing but.
1: well I, luckily not we didn't have any probably the worst thing that happened for me when I was out there was the getting a big old rock chucked at me and almost hit me but hit the tree. but then Mitch says, look if he was tr- they're trying to hit you, they would have hit you, not the tree. yeah, but it scared the heck out of me. And then another time they threw a big piece of wood. That, that went flying by and hit the tree that I was standing by and went crashing to the ground. And the other people who were there said, oh, look, a branch broke. And then Mitch was like, no, that limb just came from over there. And you could see that it had been clearly snapped on both places like that. So you see these weird things out in the forest where the branches have been snapped or the trees have been snapped off and not cut. And they'll put them in certain types of like a teepee style or something like that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense when you look at it because you're in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah, and it's if someone's gonna be messing with you, they're not gonna follow you out in the middle of nowhere, right? No,
1: and the other thing too is like usually at nighttime is when this stuff happened, but both times the piece of wood being thrown and the rock was a daytime incident. Oh, wow. So
0: that's pretty brave too. So, I mean, but so and the thing like you mentioned, uh, like Native Americans and you know, indigenous people and all that, the thing that makes me again looking for credible valid, like validation to this stuff is when it comes to Bigfoot or, you know, the thing we're talking about here is the fact that you had geographically separated communities that, you know, thousands of years ago documenting this type of species, whatever it is, you know, and they can't talk. It's not like today's world where everything's on social media and we can connect with people all over over the world. You had people that weren't talking to each other and never talked to each other both describing the same thing, right? And that's the cool thing when it comes to the Native American tribes here. They're talking about something that has been in their culture and their history for a very long time. So
1: So most of the friends that were Native American, they didn't tell me these stories at first. It was quite a bit of time later when they would start telling me the stories after they'd already seen what we were doing and how it was being handled and it was being respectful towards whatever sentient being was out there. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't... Think that, and when they're in a group, that there's a problem when they're in a group from talking to my Native American friends. But I think it's when you get that solo one that gets kicked out of the group that's on its own is when you have problems. At least mm-hmm. when if there's a, a one that's out by itself for whatever reason or cast out, then that's where you have the problems. You, and the, what I would see too is the ones that were coming in that Mitch was picking up on camera were younger. And the other bigger ones that he would photograph sometimes usually were more cautious is not coming into where there was campers. But it was almost like they wanted to tease the camper and scare him in the middle of the night. And they would do things like hit the tent or throw pine cones at the tent all through the night so the poor people wouldn't get any sleep. And then they'd pack up and take off and then leave the tents and sleeping bags and cooking stuff and just hightail
0: it out of there because it would scare him to death. So it's almost like human-like, right? <clears throat> where you have the younger is the more reckless and... Yeah. And then the older ones are just kind of more, you know, leave me alone. So
1: as, as time kept going on, there's stories that Mitch had, had told me about that where there was a bow hunter that had been sitting up in the tree in this one meadow and he had this beautiful titanium stand up in the tree where he would go just spotting and when they go bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And he said that he saw five bears walking upright come through the forest to this meadow where there's like a seeper spring coming out of the ground. To drink and it scared him so bad that he never went back oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and i thought well it, i don't think that five bears walking up, up, upright would do that but if you saw five bigfoot coming through the meadow like that that would definitely like put the fear into him and then the, the other thing that mitch did that i thought was interesting was he would put these cams up in the tree and he kept having problems with people you know screwing around with the cam that he thought so he thought, we're going to put some tree climbing stuff on and go up higher, about 15, 20 feet up in the tree. And he buys a special camera and he puts it up in the tree. Well, when he retrieves the camera to check the footage on the that little SD card, someone had urinated in the thing, closed the camera and put it back in the tree. So they have a, <laughs> uh, their own sense of humor. And he wasn't, he wasn't happy about that. But it just goes to show you that they're very aware of what we're doing and... The, the one time when the rock happened, Mitch was not too far from me. And I remember him talking about just show them your hands that you don't have anything and you're not taking anything and you're not a hunter because they'll see the gun on your back or something. Mm-hmm. So I just showed him palms to the side and started to back back up again and leave the area. But still, mm-hmm. you know, you want to make contact and, and fill and then that happens and it feels a little adversarial.
0: <laughs> And the fact that these things are staying away from humans it does show their intelligence right yeah definitely they're like i don't want to deal with these crazy beings that are on this earth because they're crazy mm -hmm. but well
1: but just the fact they've been able to manage not to be how they seen when that when you pick up pictures of them when they're looking at things i mean they'll get down low on the ground and just sit down against a stump of a tree Mm -hmm. with fern covering and then watch what the humans are doing yeah or somebody's camping or setting up and this one area in in on the map, it's called this area. When I'm showing Mitch, I says, "Look, this is you know this is this is classified as an experimental forest," and he says, "No." So we looked at this one government map he has, and sure enough, it was an experimental forest where the hot zone was at. So I just wondered if there's anything more to that that was going on.
0: That's that's pretty odd. So yeah. Michelle, what's your what's your experience with with this this stuff and this thing and
2: um, I don't have any Bigfoot experience yet. yet. I've been begging Dana to take me up into that area for a long time, but, um, he's been hesitant to go back up there because of what he experienced. Yeah. Um, but he has let me see the bones and the hair and it is different.
0: Yeah. Cause I'm- I've never seen it. so,
2: with, yeah, um
0: and your background is in, in you are a nurse. Yeah, uh-huh. so you kind of have that a, different perspective. a little perspective. bit of experience. Yeah.
2: Um but it it's just I can't even explain it. It's, it's just di- it's just different from anything you've seen. Um but I I don't have any experience with that. What I have had experience with are um Different things um, that piqued my interest, maybe in like the paranormal or something, and then I, I realized, I, I bet a lot of people have stories, but they're just not offering it up because
0: it's always yeah
2: sane people, people who do have stories, they are credible. They generally keep them close to themselves. They don't want to be ridiculed. Um, and so they're just waiting for the right person, someone who's genuinely asking and interested in knowing the truth, um, to ask them, and then they'll they'll tell you honestly. But generally they're pretty hesitant. And so because I had experiences with certain things, I started asking a lot of Native Americans, for their stories, random people, grandmothers at soccer games, um, people that would come in my office for nursing. I would just, so do you have any stories? And these are teenagers to elderly. Everyone had stories and they'll lay it out there super matter matter of factly um, because they can tell that you're genuinely interested in knowing.
0: Yeah. And I think it's getting better too because in today's world, and we'll get into more of this stuff in later episodes, but um, you're living in an, in an era now where, like, when it comes to, like, UFOs and, like, you think about the Tic Tacs that interact with, like, the military off the coast, like the one in San Diego, one in mm-hmm. Virginia. These are documented things, and people are just kinda, humans are still kinda ignoring it, though, which is just blows my mind, but it's, people are still, they're more comfortable talking about it. Like, if you would've brought up this stuff 10 years ago, I mean, even now when you talk about it, people are still kind of like, "What's wrong with Dana?" Like, yeah, it
2: depends on the what's group this of people even? that you're they're with. They're
0: just not openly saying it. They're just kind of like they're not as openly saying. It, you know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, um, in regards to the the, I always say it wrong. The Mugeon monster. Yeah, I'm gonna say right. it. I'm gonna say it wrong until I till I, no, till I that's die. That's right. Um What's the one thing? Out of all your experiences with this thing, what's the one thing that intrigues you the most when it comes to this? Like, if you were to say, like...
1: The the size of it and the brute force that it can inflict of things that it can do or turn over or flip or throw.
0: Oh, from the... Yeah. That's cool. And then in regards to... Let's say you have someone that's skeptical. They're on the fence. They're on the verge. And you're, you're in court right now, right? And you're in the court of human opinion. And you have to give one piece of evidence... sway people here or there that you actually have evidence now, right? Let's say it's footprint, a hair sample, whatever. What's the one thing that you know of that you would bring forward and say, look at this, people?
1: I think that there's no evidence that I could bring forward that would make somebody believe it other than somebody that is out there on horseback or hiking or hunting and they see and witness for themselves and then that's those are the people that end up contacting me because they want to tell me the story about what happened to them or where they were up below you know hunting somewhere below young Arizona, and this happened to them yeah and you, you get know, that the you get
0: that what the yeah blank moment right where you well, know like, oh, what is it, that it,
1: it's it's like it's like a paradigm shift because they're seeing it and they're trying to say okay what is this that we're looking at
0: and if you've ever been up in the area I and mean, we, we go up there a lot, it's, it's pretty dense. It's not like the Northwest forested areas. Like it's not that dense, but it's still, I mean, it's forested. I yeah. mean, it's, there's areas to like hide out and whatever else. So if you have a small group of whatever these things are, I mean, they you can, can easily hide. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that again, from the law enforcement investigative perspective, there's nothing that says these things aren't real, right? There's, there's, plenty of circumstantial things that say, hey, there's something here, there's something odd, but there's nothing out there that says, you know, this is a hoax. This is what these things are. This is just, you know, it's a different species of bear. There's nothing that says that. Yeah. There's nothing that defines whether they're real or not real. So.
1: So what always is nice is to take a police report from somebody going because there's a prowler or There's somebody heard somebody in their back shed doing something and have something like that happen to them. Because they the officer witnesses that for himself. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't want to. What do you put down in your report? Yeah. You know, there's going to be crap dished out to you with your other people there yeah. the next day. So,
2: um, you know what I find the most credible is a lot of the stories um, of uh, Bigfoot or Yeti or whatever you want to call it out in the woods. It's not young people, it's generally old people. Farmers, older farmers.
0: That know the land and they know the territory. Yeah, and, and so
2: when you're hearing someone who's so salt of the earth, you know, and they tell the truth and they're talking about it.
0: And that's the other thing, too, that I noticed with this thing is um, because, again, from coming from law enforcement, whenever we go to, like, there's some sort of crime or whatever, you try to find those independent witnesses, people mm-hmm. that – what I hate seeing as a cop is when I'd show up to a crime scene – and there's a group because that group is now a tainted group of witnesses because everyone's going to have the same story or same similar story because all, they've, they've all been talking. Mm-hmm. But if you have a situation where it's a lone witness to something, like let's say a lot of these farmers, they're the remote, right? They're by themselves. Right. Maybe their wife is there. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's that lone individual witness that is saying, this is what I saw. And a lot of people, don't, they don't know about this thing either. So they're they're saying stuff and they're or they're seeing it and they're like, man, what the hell did I just see? And then they're gonna go home, Google, do whatever, and then they start finding out about it, and then that's how they contact, you know, people like Dana just. But
1: so one thing that was kind of I thought interesting is is. I was a... You've seen those little guys on 10 speeds for the Mormon church. Mm. I was one of those guys. And this one area in Ohio where... I, I
0: always waved to them too. When thank
1: you. It's thank like, you.
0: Especially when it's 110 out. I'm like, there's <laughs> this, this dedicated person right there. But anyway. This
1: this one area that we would drive through was kind of a forested area. And it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere with a big pasture. And the one little farmer that lives there, he came up to us and says, "You you boys shouldn't be coming out here after the sun goes down. Just don't come out here. He said because of the grass man yeah what the grass man is that like some kind of homeless guy or is it <laughs> a vagrant or something but he said no it was a big foot and then i thought okay he's you know it's reminded me of scoutings at camp geronimo trying to get the older scouts spooking the younger scouts but later time came on and there were the grass man reports from ohio in this area where this little farmer had told us about so he was being nice <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like, stay away from the grass, man. like, no, nah, all right, they're going to tell me twice. But. Yeah.
1: So these reports are coming from all over. So that's what I find interesting, like you said, because it's a wide diversity. And even around the world, Yeah. you know, you go in the Asian market, it's the Yeti. You go to the, you know, or the Himalayas. Himalayas, yeah. And you get all sorts of different yeah. things from the Tibetans. And they're, and,
0: and they're pretty similar in nature to what they're describing in... Like you said, they have to be pretty intelligent though, because they stay away from humans. That's right. Um, I mean,
2: there's also there's also that book called The Long Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard no, of it? No. Uh, it's a true story of a group of men who escaped a, a Russian gulag together, and they had to go through Siberia, down through Mongolia, through China, over. Um, the Himalayan mountains to British India, and it's just a small blip in his story. But he says that while they were coming up over the Himalayan mountains, they all saw this this these two figures standing upright about a hundred yards away, maybe more, and they were in their path, so they couldn't go down. They had to sit there and watch them and wait, and they weren't moving, but they were big, human like, tall with no neck, long arms, hairy. And, uh, he says they had to find another way. And then he just moves on with his story. Oh, wow. And he says, you know, we realize now what we saw or what people say are the abominable snowman. But then he, he keeps going with his story. And I, I find it pretty credible that the whole group of them saw the exact same thing. And the
0: book is called,
2: uh, it's called the long walk.
0: Okay. Cause that is a long walk. It's, <laughs>
2: it's, it's a, a, a really good book, walk, yeah. but it, it's interesting. And he's, you know, he's pretty credible. It's
0: a- yeah. Cause like I said, I look for credible mm. people to talk to. And I mean, it's, and that's what validates this thing a little bit is, you know, it's like, I'm not saying one way or the other that this thing's real or it's not, but I just, in my mind, like I said, there's nothing that says it's not, and there's nothing that says it is. It just, it's one of those things where it's like, makes you kind of Hmm.
2: Yeah, and he talks about it. it's just a part of his story, and he says, you know, had it been further, we could have rationalized, you know, maybe this is just a bear, maybe this or that, but because they had to stare at him for an hour waiting for them, he says, no, we saw what we saw, and then he just goes on.
0: Yeah, it's not something, I mean, so. I wouldn't want to deal with that. You're already walking, you're tired, and then, <laughs> right. like, man, that's the kind of luck that I would have. It's like... <laughs>
2: We're gonna find
0: another way it's like really like i'm walking on this way and now i have this thing blocking my path like yeah. why why god
1: so what one, one of the researchers i don't know if you've ever heard of david Polides or politis however he says his last name but david has done a lot of research on missing people that go missing in national forests mm-hmm. and there are in here in Arizona. We've have people that go missing all the time.
0: Oh, there's, yeah.
1: Well, so <clears throat> what happens to them? Who knows? You've got Travis Walton. What happened to him? Yep. And like Michelle's going to be going up to that area with I think his son Luke. She wants to go there really bad. I don't know why. <laughs> You're a brave woman. I keep like.
2: trying to get Dana to take me, so I,
1: well, I that, reached out. So tra- Travis, a long time ago when he was on the show, I asked him if he would ever go back there again. And he looked at me and he says, you, you don't want to go back there. Something horrible happened to you. He says, no, I don't want to ever go back there. Yeah. But later on, years down the road, he was kind enough to take me and another friend that um, wanted to go and go back there and showed us where it happened. And I thought it was really remarkable. And the only caveat that he said was, we need to be on the road and out of there before the sun goes down at night.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't have to tell me twice. Well, I Wait. know,
1: but I thought that was really interesting. And even leaving in time before the sun started to go down, it's it was 15 miles out in the middle of nowhere yeah. up by a place called Turkey Springs on the Mogollon Rim. And there's a lot of
0: strange things that
1: happen. So bring your camera, Michelle. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, that'll be another episode too, because we're going to talk about it's fire in the sky is what it's yeah. in reference to. So yeah, that's and, a very interesting that whole area. That is just it just intrigues me. So I like it a lot. That Heber and that whole area. I need up there. to check
1: and see if that makes sure that's Gila County. So if I have to get a search and rescue crew to go find him, don't waste <laughs> any time. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, although seems, I, I would like to stay after
1: dark. She seems pretty confident. No, just, it, there's just there's just so many things that are happening. And look at Michelle's face; she can talk you into about anything. So <laughs> Luke is he's signed on to take her up there and go. which is really sweet. So I'll be anxious to hear how that goes over the weekend.
0: Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So any, any parting shots? Any parting words? Anything you want to tell listeners?
1: No, I I think this is great. The nine eighteen files that you're doing. That opens up a lot of cool things you can go research and find and talk about, especially here in Arizona.
0: Yeah, just like I tell people, just open mind.
1: Well, I appreciate you reaching out to me and inviting me here on your podcast.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah,
2: and thank you for having me. I I would just say in the realm of possibilities, anything's possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, back in the day, people used to think that the earth was flat. And if you said the earth was round, they were like, you are crazy, or like... The sun revolved. Yeah, yeah there's, right. there's still the people out on. there. And if you're listening, like the Earth is round, but you had people that thought that the the sun revolved around the Earth, and if you thought otherwise, people thought you were crazy, right? right?
1: You're a heretic.
0: So yeah, but so it's like always keep an open mind unless you have legitimate hardcore evidence that says this is how it is. Like always keep an open mind. So that's what my yeah. mom always taught me. So, but all right, I agree. thank you guys. Hey, thanks again. Jesus. Thank yep. you. All right, so now let's talk about the possibility of this thing and what's the likelihood of it existing out there, right? Because coming from law enforcement, you know, I was a police officer here in Arizona for 11 years and I was military police all that time too um, for 22 years. Um, One thing I like to have is actual, like, evidence and credibility and, you know, stuff to validate what we're talking about. So when it comes to, The Muggio Monster. Um, So some of the things that... There's no hard facts. There's no smoking gun, so to speak. What they have is a lot of, you know, circumstantial type stuff, um, such as there's been multiple sightings over the course of decades. So you have multiple people seeing very similar... Something very similar in nature. And they all kind of have this... You know, the descriptions are a little bit different for everybody, but um, they all kind of have this certain core things, like there's always that weird smell, very tall, covered in hair. Uh, the colors are different, but um, when you're living in the wild, I mean, who knows? Um, a black creature can turn brown when it's covered in mud, just stuff like that. So, But also, if, if you go to the website, it's bfro.net, um, which is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, and they show that there have been over 85 or there have been 85 reported sightings of Bigfoot in Arizona. Um, and the most recent being in June of 2021. So you have a lot of sightings of, or recordings of people, you know, Hey, I've, I've, I'm seeing something weird and they're they're taking the time to go report this. However, um, I don't fully know what the vetting process is, um, for people that are reporting these things. So who knows what that 85 number consists of, but that's still a decent amount of people that are reporting it if it is valid. Another aspect, um, that increases the, you know, the possibility of this thing existing and, um, it's, it's the terrain. So most people when that are not from Arizona or live in a bubble and they only live in the Phoenix area and they don't travel, um, but Arizona is, they, when they think of Arizona, they think of desert, right? Cactus and desert landscape, but it's not, especially not in the area where, uh, the Mogollon monster is supposedly living or, you know, it's been sighted at, um, the area that we're talking about is in the North and Northeast sections of Arizona, which is, um, primarily the, the Mogollon Rim, which is forest. It's, it's tons of forest. It's mountainous. Um, it's not as dense as you know, like if you're thinking of the Pacific Northwest, but it is very, it's very remote. You're not going to just go out there and you know go for a hike by yourself if you have no that type of skill set. So, um, it's it's pretty easy to hide. So if you're familiar with that area, if you let's you know let's say think of the mindset of this this thing, if if this is your territory, um, you know it's it's pretty pretty easy to hide. And like I said, I've been up there multiple times. Uh, we we're just up there about a month ago. Um, and like I said, it's, it's pretty forested. It is a remote area, especially when you start going into the woods. So it's, it's real easy to hide. And there's also a lot of other wildlife that's up there as well. So now let's talk about the things that are the possibility that that decreases the chance that this thing is actually real, right? So the biggest thing, um, And that's just the no substantial, like I said, there's no smoking gun type evidence. There's no legitimate photographs. There's no videos of, you know, hey, what is this thing that scientists can't say? No, that's, you know, that's not a, that's, that's not a Yeti. That's, you know, that's an elk type thing. Um, There's no deceased body. Um, There's no carcass. There's, there's, there's absolutely nothing. There's a bunch of small things that we talked about, like in the interview with, with Dana, where, you know there's bits and pieces here and there but there's nothing there's no legitimate you know smoking gun type thing and you can say the same thing for bigfoot but um yeah so so to wrap up this episode all i'm going to say is that regardless of the facts uh i can assure you that i'm probably not going to go tent camping uh, up in the Muggyon rim area anytime soon <laughs> you know this is just this is just one of those things where There's always going to be doubt about whether or not this thing actually exists. Um, There's been sightings, some from very reliable people, um, and there's been bits and pieces of evidence uh, that can't be ruled out as something else. And there's just so many other things that just uh, put too much doubt in my mind about whether or not this thing is real or not. So like I said, uh, I'll go camping, but I'm going to stick to the Flagstaff area for now. Close to the roadways you know maybe do an rv next time but definitely not going up to this area anytime soon so all right thanks for joining us